You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation, and I cover the NFL all over the World Wide Web. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can review us on iTunes or anywhere else podcasts are sold. You can also reach us at the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. And today's Locked On Packers crossover episode, Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears is going to be here to preview week one Packers Bears. Today's episode is brought to you by mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. We're going to get to Lauren in just a few minutes But I wanted to start by talking about some lingering thoughts from the preseason as we move into the regular season because one of the things that I started doing a year or two ago was after 53-man cuts and the final roster is announced, I would go back and watch some of the preseason games and usually the third preseason game, the fourth preseason game. If there was a reason that I remembered something stood out to me, I would go back and, and go a little bit earlier. But the the fringe players are the ones who generally get the showcase game in the fourth preseason game, and then the third preseason game are the, the fringe starters making a case to play. And what I generally find, at least the last few years, is it is obvious to me in retrospect, who is going to make the team and who isn't. And until the cuts are made, it's hard to know because someone like Dimitri Goodson, his play has never warranted a spot on the 53-man roster as a corner. But he is a very reliable special teams player, or at least he has been. And so he made the team that way. And so these kinds of things are, are happening all the time. The one player who stood out as that not being the case, is Ahmad Thomas. I thought Ahmad Thomas deserved to be on this team. I thought he outplayed Greer Martini. And he wasn't as impactful on special teams, but was clearly the better reserve inside linebacker. And Martini was on the practice squad. There was a weird situation with Ahmad Thomas where reportedly he went to Green Bay, went to the facility to sign to the practice squad. Somehow he didn't. And it's unclear at this point if the Packers changed their mind or if there was a miscommunication. They called him in and they didn't mean to. It's it's a weird situation. He wound up on the Colts practice squad, so I guess no harm, no foul. But he was a guy that looked like he should have been on this team, made plays consistently. But then you you go back and you look, Quentin Rollins, yeah, it was awful, terrible in the third and the fourth preseason game. And Vince Beagle against third stringers failed to make plays. Herb Waters, who was initially looked like he was going to make the 53-man, he gave up some plays. And then you also, in other ways, the guys who maybe surprisingly made the team, someone like Raven Green, with the knowledge that he'd made the team, you go back and watch and you go, oh, I get it. I see it now. 
I see those plays. I see the reliability. I see the tackling. I see a guy who could come in and be a backup safety, someone who they are going to rely on more than Marwin Evans, who had been on the active roster and who had played backup safety snaps. He comes in and Green outplays Evans and and earned a spot on the 53-man roster. And I think some some players who had maligned training camps and, and preseasons played better than I initially thought they did. Josh Jones is one of those guys. Uh, I think Jason Spriggs played better than, than was said, particularly in the third and fourth preseason games. And so... Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I wasn't I wasn't looking at it to say did they make the right decisions. I was I was looking at it for hints. What did I miss? Because it's hard to keep track of ninety dudes. It's hard to keep track of what everyone is doing at all times, and and frankly, you just can't do it. You really can't. And so to be able to go back and and have some context and say okay, this this is I have a little bit better understanding of what these players can do. And, and I'll say, you know, the guy that, that impressed me the most on rewatch was Aaron Jones. I mean, he is a stud. And I understand that Jamal Williams is the starter heading into week one. Aaron Jones is suspended for the first two weeks. When Aaron Jones gets back, he should be the starting running back. He should be the guy that gets 15, 18, 20 carries. He's the best running back on the team. And I, I get they like Jamal Williams as a pass blocker, and Ty Montgomery has versatility that I think can absolutely be utilized on this team in a meaningful way. But Aaron Jones is the best running back. He's got the best balance. He's got the best escapability. He's got big play potential with, with deep speed. He's nimble. He's agile. He can do everything you need a running back to do on the football field, and he's just the most natural and gifted back that the Packers have. He needs to be playing the lion's share of these snaps at running back. And obviously he won't be this week and won't be next week because of the suspension. And probably week three is not going to be immediately thrust into that that featured back role. But I would say by week four, week five, that's that's where he should be. That's who he should be because he's the most talented guy. And we got a glimpse of it against Kansas City. He just, he runs so balanced. He runs after contact. He fights for yards. He, he just, the balance is, is a word that I keep coming back to because he's just always under control. And he always seems to be in a position to, to not take a hit straight on, to make a guy miss, to give himself an opportunity to hit that crease at full speed and not get the linebacker to have an angle on him. There's just so much nuance in his game that just isn't there with the other players. And part of that is Ty Montgomery is a receiver or was for most of his career. What I do like about the running back position currently is it gives the Packers the ability to say, Ty Montgomery, you're our kick returner because he's the most dynamic kick returner on the team. And it allows them to say, we can we can play these guys, limit their snaps individually to keep them fresh for the stretch run, to keep them healthier, to limit the hits on their body and give the Packers the best opportunity in the long term to succeed with the guys on their team. All right, let's get to the boy wonder of the Locked On Podcast Network. He's a pro football focus analyst. He writes for NBC Sports Chicago, the Bears Wire. He is all 
over the NFL beat. He's also the host of Locked on Bears. You can follow him on Twitter at Cox Sports One, like Fox Sports One, but with a C. Lauren, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Hey, I appreciate coming on and uh, going behind enemy lines here. <laughs> yeah, and and there's a little bit of added juice to this to this rivalry this week, isn't there? Uh, we have the Khalil Mack sweepstakes and, and probably the, the, the team that everyone thought he was going to. And then the team that eventually got him, uh, were you as surprised as I think everyone else was when you heard the news of the Khalil Mack trade? Yeah, I was I was really surprised and and you know taken aback at first, but I think the longer I've thought about it, the more it does seem to make sense for a team like the Bears that they feel pretty good about the core that they have here. You know, a lot of guys across the roster under contract for the next couple of years, so they don't necessarily feel like you know, if they don't have first round picks in the next two drafts, it's not this this glaring need of a position where they just absolutely have to invest a top draft pick in. I think they have some flexibility to make a deal like this. They had the cap space, they had the major need, and it just kind of all came together. Okay, so the Bears feel good about their core. Do you? Because I think there are a lot of reasonable questions that can be asked about Mitch Trubisky after the kind of season that he had. I think it went a little bit under the radar how inconsistent he was and how afraid at times it seemed this offense was and this coaching staff were to let him throw the ball. Uh, where are you on Mitch Trubisky and, and, and can he take that Jared Goff-like next step? I think he can long term, but I'm not as necessarily sold that it's going to happen right away at the same rate. You know, I think there's a lot of positive attributes and traits and, you know, flashes that we've seen from Mitch Trubisky that show you he could be something very good. You know, I'm not going to say great or special yet, but something very good. But there were also, you know, fourth quarter interceptions and some some just, you know, accuracy issues and at times mechanical issues that, you know, take time to iron out. And I think the coaching staff is obviously going to be critical to uh, an improved Trubisky, just bringing this offense into the 21st century a little bit. But I, I think there's still going to be times when, you know, it, it's all on his shoulders and he's going to make some mistakes. And maybe that means they lose a game or two that they're not supposed to lose. But that maybe that also means they win a game or two, win a game or two, that they're not supposed to win. I think there's going to be some volatility here and uh, you know where that, that leaves them. I don't know. We'll kind of see. There's, there's a lot of moving parts early here in Chicago. The 21st century, they weren't even in the 20th century under John Fox, it seemed at times. Uh, the, it, it does feel like, and, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, it does feel like the Bears have borrowed from the Rams and – they have said, we have a rookie quarterback that we feel invested in. He is on a rookie contract. And as such, we can use the cap space that we have other places. And we're going to get him receivers. We're going to get him defensive weapons. That is what the Khalil Mack trade was all about. And they can slot that into the cap space that we're not going to use on the quarterback. D does that strike you as, as what they're doing here? And, and can it work? for the Bears in a way that it worked for the Rams and not necessarily just as well last year. I mean, the Rams went from one of the worst offenses ever to um, one of the best in the league. But it, do you think that model can work for this Bears team? 
I think it can. I think that's that's certainly the plan. I think that's the model you're following. Even think back to like the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson, just being able to invest so much in that defense. And the, the thing is, now you've got pretty much your money spent and your resources spent. They have a little bit of cash, you know, in, in the offseason to maybe fill in a starter somewhere if they want to, but they don't really have any opportunity in the next two years to add an impact player at any position. So the guys that you have now, are the guys that are either going to, you know, make this team contend for a championship or leave them wanting more. And I don't think there's a lot of room here to wiggle. So they're locked into these receivers and these cornerbacks that they invested in this year. Their front seven is more or less locked in. This Bears team, pretty much as it stands now, with a few exceptions on either side of the ball, this is the team that has to compete for a championship. If that's the goal and if that's what Ryan Pace is building towards, these are the guys right now, and it's going to take some time to get there, and I, I don't think it's fair to, to put them up there just yet in year one. And I do think the Rams last year almost single-handedly raised some at least internal expectations for the Bears that that's now what they're shooting for, and I don't think that's necessarily a reasonable for them to reach just just because the Rams did it last year with everything going right for them. I'm not, so, I'm not sold everything is going to go right for the Bears in year one. Well, and, and you brought up a great point. This was the case that I tried to make for SB Nation earlier in the week. Uh, if you if you bring in someone like Khalil Mack and, and you don't have the $100 million in salary cap room that, say, the Browns did, right, uh, it, it, it mitigates the opportunities for you to, to make other changes. If you have offensive line needs, you can't go sign someone. If you have receiver needs or cornerback needs, whatever it is, for the next few years, this is the, this is what you're locked into, and if you're a team like the Packers, you have Aaron Rodgers, and that's that's enough. Now, Kalamak would have made them better. It's interesting. At least three major and frontline starters for the Bears drew interest from the Packers in the offseason: Allen Robinson, Kyle Fuller, and Khalil Mack. And all three of them wound up on the Bears. So regardless of how much they've been winning on the field, and Aaron Rodgers is 15-4 and four in his last 19 starts against the Bears, the Bears won three of those uh, battles with the Packers for those key players. How do you see Allen Robinson in particular uh, impacting this offense? Because obviously Mitch Trubisky struggled last year in part because he had maybe the worst skill players in the league. So Allen Robinson is an interesting case here because, you know, you pay him top receiver money, you know, generally, and he's obviously been a, a 1400 yard receiver before with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but a couple years removed from that coming off of a torn ACL. And so we didn't get to see him much in Chicago this preseason. And with everything else they've kind of done offensively, he's almost become a little bit of the forgotten guy here that everyone's expecting Trey Burton to be the big tight end that can maybe not be Travis Kelsey just yet, but play that type of role. And Tariq Cohen out of the backfield is going to be a, a key weapon. Anthony Miller, the second round pick. And all of a sudden, you know, you start getting, you know, projections for those guys. And we, there's got to be some targets left for Allen Robinson here somewhere. Like he should be in theory, a thousand yard receiver on this team. But I, I more and more starting to question if he'll have enough targets and enough opportunities to do so, because there's just a lot of balls to go around and a lot of different players to, to get involved in this offense. I still think he's going to, he's going to push for that and be, you know, sort of the consistent, reliable guy on the outside. But 
I don't think he's going to be the focal point or you know the real emphasized receiver in this offense. I think you're going to look for the the running backs and the tight ends to be those matchup winners uh, over the middle of the field. All right, we're going to get back to Lauren in just a second. But before we do, the NFL season kicks off tomorrow night. And if you're the kind of person that likes to have a little money down, that likes to have a little taste, a little financial stake in the action, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, which is why I want to tell you about mybookie.a. G. They have live in-game betting, the most rewarding player perk system in the business, and a mobile app that is easy to use. You can do everything that you could normally do in a Las Vegas casino, and you can do it from your couch while you watch the game. And when you win, they have the fastest payouts in the business. When you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you enter the promo code Locked On to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim the bonus. MyBookie.ag. When you play at MyBookie, you play, you win, and you get paid. All right, let's get back to Lauren. Let's let's switch back to the defense for a second because I, I mentioned those those three guys that the Bears won the battle for. I think you could make the case we had Vic Fangio and that's four because that was a guy that a lot of Packer fans wanted. It was someone that I pounded the table for in the offseason. And, and I, I will I will say that I'm I'm very pleased with with Mike Patton and, and what he's done for this defense. But Vic Fangio is a proven defensive commodity. You add in Khalil Mack to this team with Leonard Floyd on the edge with as good as Akeem Hicks was last season and eventually Roquan Smith. This defense has a chance to be very good. Break it down for me because you know I think there are still some holes linebacker wise. I, I don't know that the corners are are really gonna gonna make anyone be re- reminded of the Legion of Boom. So you know, give me the scouting report for this defense at this point. Yeah. So a lot of you know a lot of was made about them finishing in the top ten last year. I think they were mm-hmm. ninth in ninth in points and tenth in yards or vice versa. And it felt like a group that did overachieve. You know, based on what the offense was doing and even just the talent that they had, they they did better than you thought they would. And it makes you wonder if there's going to be some regression there. That you know Kyle Fuller had probably the best season of his career and. Was that an outlier in a contract year? And now that he's got the big deal, will he come back a little bit more normal to, to Kyle Fuller? And Prince of Mukamara never been a big turnover guy, but but pretty consistent in in coverage, especially being physical and one on one and man to man. So you know, I think I think you're onto something in the sense that like across this roster, you have you have guys that they're expecting more from. You know, they want. Eddie Jackson to take a nice step in year two at safety and Adrian Amos to continue to play well. But none of these guys are like, especially in that secondary are long-term consistent proven players. And if they play well, you're going to have a a top 10 defense again, but there's some, some wiggle room there to potentially see a few guys step back. I I know in the front seven, they're feeling a lot more confident, you know, that linebacking core that they are really high on with Trevathan and Nick Kwiatkowski and eventually Roquan Smith you know, without without Khalil Mack, it would have been a, a huge, huge concern at pass rusher. I think that alleviates most, if not all, of the concern there. And then on the defensive line, it's Akeem Hicks, it's Eddie Goldman, and then you know they're still working on Jonathan Bullard and, and Roy Robertson Harris on that other defensive end spot. But it's going to be a nickel defense most of the time, like everybody. And you know your two defensive linemen are are fine; they're solid. You know, I, you're right that they lack a lot of 
game changers and the big play playmakers. It's kind of just Khalil Mack there that you can get a pick out of Kyle Fuller every so often. Eddie Jackson can make a couple plays. Leonard Floyd can get after the quarterback at times, but Khalil Mack is the only proven game changing player. And you wonder if that limits their ability to truly be that top five defense, but I think they can be a very consistent defense and, and keep the offense in games as much as they can. You mentioned Roquan Smith, and, and I, I talked a little bit about the, the potential issues at linebacker. How much are the Bears expecting out of Roquan in, in week one? It's, it's going to be tough to figure out. I think the Bears are intentionally holding back a little bit and not revealing too much. He's not going to start, and I think we'll see him maybe in a similar to Khalil Mack type role where comes in in a lot of passing situations, gets his feet wet a little bit, but he's not ready to be out there all that much. I think we're going to see maybe maybe some like Roquan Smith packages, quote unquote. You know, whether it's he's a very effective blitzer at Georgia and can come in and get after the quarterback in some situations. He's obviously known for his coverage ability and just his ability to to roam the middle of the field. So I, I think it's going to be a slowly but surely thing. And then in a couple weeks, maybe as late as their, their week four or week five bye week, uh, that, that could be you know the latest he takes over as the starter, but it's going to be more of a rotation there, a, a sub package type situation and eventually uh, a bigger role in store. Sure. One of the things that, that I think, you know, has been out there a little bit is this, this Khalil Mack impact, and you mentioned, you, you know, you thought they overachieved a little bit defensively last year. It seems to me that this offense has to get significantly better um, for them to to match some of the expectations that are out there. I mean, there's discussions now, eight, nine wins and, and potentially fighting for a playoff berth. But it seems to me the offense would have to get so much better because I don't think Khalil Mack makes this defense so much better than it was last year, although I do think it makes them, you know, obviously he's a, he's a, one of the best defensive players in the league. Uh, what is, I mean, just break that take down for me. Do you think I'm I'm on track here? I mean, I, it still seems to me that this team will rise and fall with the success that they have offensively with how good Mitch Trubisky is because this defense was good last year and they didn't win a lot of games. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on that – all of the moves they made this offseason, Matt Nagy, all the receivers, everything, that these have all been putting the pressure solely on the shoulders of this quarterback. And I think Khalil Mack, maybe in a looser sense, falls under the same category of, okay, now the defense has a pass rush. You're going to get pretty consistent defensive play week to week now. You've got a core more or less in place. Now your young quarterback has to go on and win games. You know, I think you could probably count on, you know, Khalil Mack and company to pull out a win, you know, like last year when the Bears played the Panthers, the Mitch Trubisky mm-hmm. attempted like five passes and the Bears won by multiple touchdowns. I mean, you could probably get one of those type of games out of this defense again this year, but for the other 15, you need this young quarterback to take that big step forward, continue to take care of the football and just get the ball into the hands of their new weapons because they're trying to they're trying to take the pressure off of him from an on-field standpoint, but all that has done is put the pressure on him off the field to really make sure he leads this team and does everything he can to bring them offensive success. And the defense just is, in theory, just has to get by and, and hold their own while the offense makes those strides forward. 
So what? how do you see this game playing out? Primetime, Packers-Bears, rivalry game, Khalil Mack in the mix. How do you see with the Packers somewhere around a touchdown, a little bit more, eight, eight and a half point favorite? What do you see happening in the game? I think the Bears are going to have a little bit of rust. You know, I think a new head coach with all these moving parts, you know, I think some things aren't going to go as smooth as the Bears might want. And the Bears will be a, a much more well-oiled machine when they – when they host the Packers, uh, I think week 15 later on, but week one, uh, you know, the, the Packers are an experienced team with an experienced head coach. They'll be really ready to go. And I know the bears will have that element of surprise a little bit. And I, so I think in some sense, I think the bears will be able to keep it pretty close for most of the game. But I think when it comes down to it in that fourth quarter, you'll see Rogers and company pull ahead a little bit. And I, I think the Packers will win by, you know, seven to 10 to 13 points, maybe in that, I don't know, 20 to, you know, maybe it's a, a 20 to 31 final, something kind of around those range. I think both teams will put some points on the board, but the Bears won't quite be able to keep up. Yeah, I think you're I think you're spot on there. So where can where can people find more of your work? Locked on Bears uh, is is an excellent show on the Locked On Podcast Network. But where else can people find the work that you do? Yeah, so I, I write about the Bears for NBC Sports Chicago and uh, do the Locked On Bears podcast. You can follow me, uh, and I'm an analyst at Pro Football Focus. You can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports One. It's like Fox Sports One, but with a C. I like it. Thanks for joining the show, Lauren. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. All right. I want to thank Lauren again for joining Locked On Packers, the baby faced assassin of the Locked On Podcast Network, Lauren Cox. I do have at least one Locked On Packers listener I know for a fact is a Bears fan. So there, there might be more. There might be more crossover. I, I have a couple friends from high school growing up in Milwaukee whose family came from Bears fans and, and they were converted or they have split allegiances, which I never quite understood, but I guess the Bears were bad for most of their childhood. So I guess I kind of got it. it. It's whatever, but Lauren does a great job. So at the very least, you can read his work at NBC Sports. Chicago. Certainly follow him on Twitter, the pro football focus stuff. Whenever I have a pro football focus question, he is the guy I DM because he is the keeper of the information there. A lot of what you hear, frankly, on this show and that I write comes from questions that I ask Lauren. So uh, I I appreciate him coming on and, and offering his insight on the Chicago Bears this week. All right. We will be back tomorrow, and I, I am efforting another interview. Uh, I don't I don't want to spoil it because if I can't get it, I'll be disappointed, you'll be disappointed, and if I can't get it, it'll be a great surprise. So I, I will keep working on it. By the time you listen to this, who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll have booked it. We'll see. I don't know that we'll need a Friday show at this point, but I think for the sake of getting four shows in this week, from an injury standpoint, we're probably not going to need to look at the injury report, who's in, who's out, because pretty much everyone is in at this point and we know who's in and who's out. But it might be worth it to add a Friday show just to go over some of the the lingering things as we enter the season, some of the stuff that that maybe we didn't get to, some of your questions as we head toward week one. Packers-Bears, prime time, Sunday night matchup. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth on NBC. It should be awesome. Aaron Rodgers versus Khalil Mack. The start of a new rivalry, perhaps a rekindling of an old rivalry as well. Remember, you can always send questions to the Locked on Packers fan hotline. That's 920-341-3775. You can send me your questions on Twitter 
at Peter underscore Bukowski. Send me to the podcast at Locked On Packers. And always, always, always stay Locked On Packers.